This morning's reading is taken from the Acts of the Apostles, and it's in chapter 10, and I shall begin reading from verse 9. So, Acts chapter 10, and I'll begin reading from verse 9. This is about Peter's vision. About noon, the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all types of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius, the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Andy, for that. So Fran's going to share, but just before she does, I'm just going to pray for you, Fran. Yeah, Father, thank you for the time spent just uh, in your presence to hear from you in order to know what to bring and what to share with us today. And Father, we thank you that, you know, we do our part, but what's so good is that then you do your part. So yeah, we thank you today for what we're going to hear through Fran. Strengthen her in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Marcia. Great to see you. Hope you're all right. I'm feeling pretty perky this morning, I'm not going to lie, because I'm now counting the days off till I get to go away fortunate enough to go on a holiday and I've got a little photo to show you the kind of views that we enjoy when we're in our caravan in Cornwall so I'm hoping a slide's going to come up on that oh apparently not no powerpoint none at all today oh that's a shame okay never mind um so you can't see this amazing view which is the sea crashing over some waves and um for a long time we have longingly 
sat looking at this uh, golf club up on the cliffs at Travaux's Head. And I say we've been looking at it longingly because you have to be a member to get in. And they've got this beautiful prime location where they can just have their drinks and sit out and look at the sea. Gorgeous. But we accept that we can't get into this golf club and be among them. It's member zone. They pay their money, considerable money. They wear the right clothes. Mysteriously, something to do with diamond print jumpers. Um, and the trousers, what's that all about? Um, you know, they go to their committee meetings, they pay their dues. But a couple of years ago, all the rules changed and they allowed non-members to get into this swanky place and sit on their newly built terrace and have drinks overlooking the sunset. So now we enjoy this privileged position among these members having a lovely time. But it's not widely known this, so we like to keep it to ourselves. We don't want the wrong types getting in, do we? We don't want the riffraff watching Sky Sports, creating too much noise and ruining the ambiance that we like to enjoy. You know, we want it for our type of people. Now, there is a little bit of me that is not joking because we all have something in life, don't we, that is for our type of person. Yeah, we've got our preferences, we're only human, and we like things as we like them. But the thing is, that thing cannot be your Christian faith. It can't be this church. When it comes to the gospel, when it comes to sharing the great news about Jesus, any notion of exclusivity is totally blown out of the water by what happens to Peter here. So, we're going to just have a little dive into this pivotal moment in the history of the church and of how Jesus expands the minds of the Jews at the time. So, the background is, Peter, well, as you probably know, um, he's a Jew, and he's one of the apostles, and Jews are taught from birth that they are special. They are God's type of person. So, they have their laws they probably even have the right clothes to wear. And these are the people who God likes. It's kind of, you know, built into them. And then, Peter, he has this mission from Jesus. And until this point, the mission is to tell the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah they've all been expecting. Right? He's the type of Messiah this type of person wants. But then, God does an amazing bit of choreography, which changes all that. Let's take Cornelius. So as you heard there, he's a centurion. So he's a Roman soldier in charge of about 100 men. Uh, and he would have been a Gentile. So Gentiles and Jews, they kept apart. But, but Cornelius worshipped God. They called these Gentiles God-fearing Gentiles. So, you know, he, he, he was an okay kind of a guy. And this angel is sent to Cornelius to say, go and get Peter, this chap called Peter, go and bring him to your house. He's a Jew, but go and ask him to come to your house. So let's just stop there. That was unusual. I don't mean the angel bit. I mean, that was unusual. Well, unless that's just me and, uh, you know, you're probably having spiritual angelic encounters all the time. No, this was unusual, this thing about inviting Peter, a Jew, to a Gentile's house. They did not do that. They weren't allowed to do that, the Jews. Meanwhile, Peter, who's on a mission trip in Joppa, he's peckish. 
So there's no Uber Eats, so he's going up onto the roof to pray while the household prepares him a nice meal. And while he's up on the roof, God, maybe he plays on the hunger that's going on inside him, but he gives him this vision of all these animals coming down on this sheet. Now, I love the fact that there would have been pigs potentially involved in this vision. They were wrapped in a sheet, the world's first pigs in blankets. Am I right? <laughs> if you don't know what pigs in blankets are, it's sausages and bacon, you've got to try it. Um, but in Peter's classic zeal and, and passion, he goes, no way, there is no way I'm going to eat that stuff. And I don't think this is just flagrant disobedience from Peter. I think he's probably thinking, oh, this is a test, isn't it? I failed the test with Jesus. I denied him a few times, so I'm not going to fail this one. No, Lord, it's unclean. I'm not going to eat this stuff. And God is persistent. God tells him three times, eat, eat this food. Actually, I think three times is quite conservative. I have to tell my daughter, what, nine or ten times, eat your broccoli. No, mummy, it's unclean. Um, but here it's three times. God has to break through Peter's mindset. And he says, okay then. Uh, and off he goes with permission to eat all these kinds of animals. So Peter at this point is having a moment, I'd imagine, a bit of a mind warp, thinking, you know, what is going on? Reality is shifting. Everything I have known. This is being challenged. And as he's mulling this weird stuff over, something else happens. The spirit says to him, three men are looking for you. Go with them. And these two events of the food and visiting the Gentile go hand in hand. Because actually, it was the things that the Jews ate and they didn't eat, more importantly, was what kept them separate and kept them clean. And that's why they didn't want to associate with the Gentiles, because the Gentiles were defiled by the foods they were putting in themselves. So that's interesting. God lifts the restrictions on the food. Some messengers say, come to a Gentile's house. The food's good to go. And Peter goes and visits Cornelius. Peter would have been stunned by all of this. In the verses afterwards, which we're going to go into next week, he sees that when he shares the good news of Jesus to Cornelius, as he hears it, the Holy Spirit comes on him. A Gentile. I mean, this was massive at the time. And he's beginning to work out with the apostles. I'm sure they've had, they've had a lot of chats about it now. Salvation is not just for Jews. Yeah, Jesus Christ is not just the Lord of the Jews. He's the Lord of the whole world. Jesus died not just for Israel's sins, but for everyone's sins. Heaven isn't just for the Jews. This thing is now a whole world thing where it turns out that God does not have a type after all. And so here begins the spread of the gospel and the church. We're all here now because of these amazing moments. And what can we draw from this today? Well, so much, so much. But I just want to focus on these two characters, Peter and Cornelius. So the first question is, how can you be more like Peter? And by this I mean, after Peter's initial reluctance, we see Peter allow God to break open his old habits, his old ways of putting people into boxes. He allows God to reboot his understanding of who God was interested in and who might be interested in God 
So take this invitation to go and see Cornelius. I'm sure he was tempted to think, what, me go and see a Gentile? That's not the type of person that's going to be interested in hearing what I've got to say. He did obey. And Cornelius was very interested. And I'm impressed by Peter's obedience, because let me tell you, I am riddled with prejudice. I think I've got a picture of what the world is like, but it is a tiny glimpse of the whole of reality, isn't it? We're all like this. We're all shaped and fashioned by our own very particular experiences. So we've got a really limited view of what the world is. I mean, for instance, I'm not interested in a scone. It is a scone. It is a scone, and people who put the jam on the scone first, and then the cream. I mean, you know, you are to be pitied. Because think of this wanton disregard you have for the beauty, the deep red, rich, glistening beauty of this strawberry jam which you are smothering with this dairy product. It's wildness. I don't think I can trust you. You're not my sort of person. I exaggerate a bit, a bit. Usually, we're more prejudiced over sort of genuine issues. And we are all prejudiced, because to prejudice means we prejudge. So you're making a judgment before you know, you fully know. And, you know, we cannot help it. It is actually how the human brain is designed. It's actually a useful thing most of the time in that, when you think about all the data that we're trying to process, our brains have to create some shortcuts. So in our unconscious mind, we've got these boxes and these files that, you know, we're downloading all this stuff and they're quickly being put into their boxes based on past habits and, and pathways that have built up. So we can't help it and it can be useful, but as you know, it can lead to prejudices of much more serious kinds. Sexism, racism, and thank God that we're having chats about our positioning in these areas, um, talking about racial justice. We're going to come back to that again uh, in more detail in a few weeks. And here's something. I was reading this just last night. The way the brain reacts when you're looking at someone who is suffering. So say you're seeing someone in pain. Something's being done to them. There's a bit of your brain that activates in those moments, the ACC, the anterior cingulate cortex. So that's active when you see someone suffer. But that activity does not in itself lead you to uh, interact, intervene, come to someone's assistance. There's a different bit of brain that does that. It's called the DMFPC, don't ask. But this is the bit that is the altruistic bit. We only get that bit of brain activated when we see the person suffering as not someone different, but as part of us. So a real you know, biochemical level, our brain is making decisions about who are people like us, who are our people, and who are other people. And that affects our choices and our behaviors. I just thought that was so interesting. And this really matters for our life together, and it really matters for how we might share the gospel. And that is uh, what really today is going to be a little bit more about um, in the kind of final landing point of the message. Back to Peter in terms of his mission on the rooftop through what happened with Cornelius. He's challenged to overcome these ways of thinking, to overcome his natural instinct, 
to keep religion for his type only. So what if we are to be a bit more like Peter? I mean, I'm not saying you don't already think that Christianity is for everyone. Of course, we do. But do our prejudgments dictate who we might think might be interested in what we did on Sunday? Do our prejudgments of people affect who we might think might want to come on an Alpha course? Who we might offer to pray for? Remember that church weekend away when we were sending a text to someone? Can I pray for you for, for something? What's going on when we make our selections and who we think might want to hear this incredible news that God does not have a favorite, that Jesus died for the whole world? Uh, here's an encouragement for you. Um, across the road, there's a restaurant called Cumin. I don't know if you've been. Oh, it's one of my favorites. It's run by Shelley and Sonny Anand. And um, Shelley is someone I've got to know over the last two, three years. Uh, he invites me into the kitchen sometimes, and I've even got some of his recipes, which is, you know, so lucky to be able to cook up some of his dishes at home. And um, one day, he saw me wearing a cross, quite a big cross that I like to wear. And he said to me, oh, are you a Christian? And at that point, I thought, yes. And I remembered, you know, I've never mentioned to you in all the time we spent together, I've never mentioned to you that I've got a faith. I've never mentioned that, you know, there's a church right across the road there. This is before I was a member of St. Nick's. Um, you know, I've never thought to say that faith is a part of my life because, well, you know, Shirley Anand, probably not the type, subconsciously. So he looks at my cross and says, are you a Christian? And he says he's been having dreams about Jesus. He's been having dreams about this man um, that he now knows is Jesus. And then he saw this film where Jesus died on a cross. And it all made a bit more sense to him. But because no one had talked to him about Christianity, no one had thought he was the type, he ended up just Googling, finding a church near his house, and now he's a member of that church. And I thought, wow, I've really missed out on the joy that God could have prepared for me in going ahead, going ahead of me, doing all that work with Shelley. And I didn't, I didn't partner him, you know, into faith like I could have had the privilege of doing. But that is an encouragement because God is going ahead. Sometimes I think God has to do more work than he probably needs to because we're not saying anything. Um, but that, was, that is great news for him. You never know what God is doing in other people's lives. So what is colouring how you imagine God to be at work? How you imagine who Jesus is for? God doesn't have a type. And then secondly, do you need to be more like Cornelius? I know I do. I mean, Cornelius, I'm thinking in this instance, is someone who might have worried about how other people were prejudiced towards him. So he's this Gentile, and God says, go and get this leading Jew. And Cornelius might have thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to look pretty stupid when I make this great gesture. And then he says, no thanks, we don't do that sort of thing. What if he rejects me? 
And I wonder, you know, whether the biggest barrier to the spread of the gospel, to people sharing what's important to us, I wonder actually whether it is our fear of being prejudiced against as Christians. And we think, well, they'll never accept my invite to come to Alpha. Um, I can't invite them to our community social night because they might think I'm a religious extremist. Or, oh, if I ask them to come to Sparklers and bring their children to our church toddler group, well, maybe, maybe they won't want to, and then they'll feel really awkward around me, and then they'll try to avoid me, and then our whole friendship's wrecked, you know, we're sort of catastrophizing. It's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy that in those moments, um, you know, our fear of a little no is bigger than our desire to see someone being introduced to this amazing Jesus who has no favorites, who loves you and wants to bring you into his family. There was an interesting survey of church toddler groups, seeing as I mentioned Sparklers, uh, by the Church of England. And they surveyed toddler group leaders. And they found out that the, the biggest fear among these leaders was that the parents bringing the toddlers along would be put off by too much religion. So they found invariably these groups were watering down the Christian element. And invariably these groups would become like secular, just community playgroups for the kids. But the same survey talked to the parents who brought their children to the toddler groups, and they said the reason they come to a church toddler group is because they want to put some Christian values in their little kiddies growing up. They want, to, they want them to have the opportunity to learn about faith and God. And so these parents are coming for Jesus, and they were being given custard creams. St. Nick's is not like this. Sparkless is not like that. But it just underlines that are we too worried about what people are thinking? Is that what's stopping us? Are we thinking they're prejudiced against us? And I need to confess here, you know, I probably have spent almost a whole year since I've been ordained imagining that when people find out they are just going to put me in the weird Christian, this is what she's like box. And that my main job with them is to try and convince them that Christians are all right and we're okay, especially church leaders. And then that ends up just running the conversation I'm having with them. And my, my attention is therefore on them and what they think of me, rather than, you know, as an ordained person, on them. You know, what is God saying to you? What can I listen to? How can I bless you? Can I pray for you? Because I've been afraid of their prejudice against us. It's crazy. God's challenged me on it. That's now stopped. Hallelujah. If it encourages you, by the way, you know, of all the people that I know through being on the radio and telly and everything else, when they found out about my ordination journey, and not one single person has said something negative to me or on social media. And again, I think that just says, a lot of this is in our heads. People are curious. They want to hear about your genuine experiences. What matters to you? So let's not think of the reasons why not. Let's think of why. It's a great deal, a great idea to be honest about what we do on Sundays, about what's important to us. So in summary, how can we be more like Peter? How can we overcome our prejudices, which might stop us from developing friendships with people not like us? Inviting them, being part of their lives as we might be a part of theirs. You know, we do well to remember that as Christians, we are the Gentiles. 
We are the, the non-members that have been allowed in to sit and look at that amazing view. We don't need to be adopting a keep-them-out posture. And you know, I am so sorry if you have had an experience where you have felt that you need, you've been kept out. I'm sorry if you have felt that you're not included. And there will be people, because we are all human and we do this. So I do think there might be an opportunity this morning for you if, you, if you carry a bit of that in your heart, if you're here this morning, you might want to um, you know, do some work with God over that. Let his love speak into those parts where you felt you're not the type to be in church. I'm so sorry if that has happened to you. If you're watching online, you know, get in touch with us. We'd love to, to tell you a different story, to include you. And you can always get in touch on the website, stnicks.org. You are so welcome. Everyone is welcome here. There is no type. And how can we be more like Cornelius? Just stop worrying what people will think if they knew what we believe. Let's not fear their prejudice, which in most cases is, is imagined. We see in this passage that God goes ahead. Planting thoughts, opening doors for conversations, creating opportunities for you to just be yourself. You can be honest about who gives you the most life, the most peace, the most hope, the most love to overcome prejudice, introduce Jesus who has no favorites. Literally everyone is his type. And that is such good news. Amen? Amen.